Hey, this is Mark Altman, one half of the Inglorious Trexperts, and season two begins this month on the Electric Surge Network. Keep boldly going as we return to the airwaves with airwaves? I don't know. It's not really airwaves, is it? It's it's like, what is streaming? It's like zeros and ones, right, Darren? We return to the Wi-Fi. We return to the Wi-Fi wherever you listen to podcasts. So join the Inglorious Trexperts for an all-new season of Inglorious Trexperts. Uh, hi, this is uh, not really George Lucas, but uh, I just want to encourage you to, if you're listening to podcasts, uh, why not listen to The Rebel and the Rogue? Uh, you might as well. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and we are back, baby! We're back! The 430 movie is back on the air, back streaming, back in your car, in your house, in your head. You can't get away from us. We're podcasting from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) It's the second season of the 430 movie, and all your favorite and least favorite 430 movie (laughs) hosts are back. And uh, first, of course... The man with the plan, the man who always knows what he's going to say and has done the research, he's done the homework, he comes prepared, he's ready for action, he has incredible depth of knowledge, he is a writer, uh, an Emmy Award winner for, um, nope. Nominee. He's an Emmy Award nominee, just as good to be nominated. Screw that award anyway. Shows like... Star Wars Rebels, he's worked on Resistance, Carmen San Diego, Rusty and Big Goy, Big Guy the Boy Robot. <laughs> <laughs> big Goy. <laughs> big Goy. He's the Big Goy. <laughs> and uh, he is Steve Melching. Steven Melching. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're glad to see you, Steve. It's, it's great. It's He's, exciting to be back after all this time. Welcome back. You look a year older, yeah. but that's okay. I love how you wore your Planet of the Apes <laughs> 430 movie logo wear today for the return of the show. These are the beautiful Available 430movie.com. By the way. That's right. (laughs) Where you can get all these movie-inspired 430 movie logo treatments courtesy of Darren Docterman. They're great. In fact, I don't know why I'm not wearing my Psycho 430 movie uh, shirt today. (laughs) He's right. It was in the laundry. Um, But uh, And uh, anyway, it's it's available at 430movie.com. And uh, you should check it out because they're awesome. And, I mean, there's such a wide array of designs that Darren has done. They have a wide selection. (laughs) <laughs> and speaking of Darren, Darren Docterman is back concept artist for shows like Westworld. He worked on Star Trek Picard. He is um, a man who's worked on movies like Riddick and X2. He's done it all. He's seen it all. He's back. Darren Docterman. Thank you. Uh, it was actually X3. X3. I stand The last stand. Yeah. The, you know, the, the one that people like a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative. Uh, but thanks. It's it's good to be back, and I I feel uh, I feel young. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, over here next to me uh, in the uh, the spot uh, that uh, that uh, the spot he's in the, the spot. spot he's in his usual spot. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, a writer producer who worked on such shows as Lore, Fringe, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and uh, of course he wrote X Men First Class. Not the last stand. Not the last. Much stand. more beloved, <laughs> and uh, Thor, and uh, he is, of course, Ashley Edward Miller. Ashley, welcome back. Your revered Admiral Nagura invoked a little-known, <laughs> seldom-used reserve activation clause. This podcast will not take more than one hour. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a pleasant well, that's surprise. That's what I call unwarranted. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course, am uh, Mark A. Altman, uh, executive producer and creator of uh, Pandora, uh, and author of The 50-Year Mission, and um, what other books have I written? Well, well I got to- So Say We All. <laughs> so Say We All about <laughs> Battlestar I'm reading Galactica. right now, which is terrific. You should get it. It's but awesome thanks, if you Steve. like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And if you don't like Battlestar Galactica, it's still good. Yes. You know who should read it? Sam Esmol. 
who's yes. creating that new Battlestar Galactica series. I think he could learn a lot from a lot the mistakes and the successes of the past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, I was saying to Ed DeGross, who wrote, I wrote it with the other day, that now they should release it in paperback. And Oh, speaking of paperback, 50-Year Mission comes out in paperback this month. So uh, check it out if you didn't purchase it in hardcover, which I personally prefer. Um, but um, <laughs> margins, you know, it's classy. <laughs> it's classy. It looks good on a shelf. I get more royalties. <laughs> but um, the uh, the 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 paperback is out this this month, and of course my uh, new book. Uh, nobody says it. Nobody says it. Nobody says it as lamely as I do. Nobody does it better. The oral history of the James Bond movies Ooh. will be out in February from Tor Forge, and it may be. Well, I can't say it's my best book yet, but uh, it's Ed Gross's best book yet. <laughs> so check that out. Anyway, it's really great to be back and sure. to celebrate. Uh, to, Steve, did we decide, are we calling it Spooktober or Scaretober? I don't know. Maybe we should, should we vote or is it, do we have any should we other ideas? Should we put it up to a vote? <laughs> any other lame ideas? <laughs> <laughs> is it Scaretober, Spooktober, or none of the above? Uh, you know, Nuntober. Yeah, Nuntober. It's Monster Month. It, about yeah, that? I, I little, like Monster Month better. Monster it's, Month. It's, uh, you know... Putting Tober uh, on the end of things is 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 really <laughs> it's not a Tober. It's, it's last century. Says the man who celebrates <laughs> Spocktober all month yeah, long. Yeah, but that's a real holiday. <laughs> 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 okay, fair enough. What are we calling it? Monster something? Monster truck? Monster what? month? I don't know. Monster. <laughs> who cares? Okay, it doesn't matter. The the point is, all month long we are celebrating Halloween, right? On the four thirty movie. Okay. We're going to celebrate Halloween. So each theme week, as you know, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we curate a week of theme movies picked by your panel each day of the week on our fantasy uh, theme channel. And now with streaming, who knows, maybe one day there will be a 4.30 movie channel one day. But um, the, the, in, in homage to the great 4.30 movie that uh, of our youth, um, and on Monday it'll be Steve, Tuesday Darren, Wednesday it's the uh, Ashley Miller pick, and... <laughs> Whatever the hell that <laughs> is. That, like, I'm Whatever. scared. And then uh, Thursday is, 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 is my multiple picks. And then on Friday we come to a consensus. And we so we program a fantasy theme week of classic movies based on theme. All October, we will be doing variations on horror themes. Last year, we did vampire movies for Halloween. Uh, this and year, it wasn't enough. It wasn't no. enough. We needed to do more. Can never be scared enough. The audience demanded more. <laughs> now there is more. <laughs> and he gave him Jaws. Um, that's a great Percy Rodriguez. Thanks. Can you do him like in court martial? Now can you cry like Lincoln? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today, uh, this week on the 430 movie, it's Monster Mash. Monster Mash. What, what does that mean? It means we're doing m- monster movies. Monster movies. And mash movies. And mash movies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Elliot Gould and Donald Sullivan. <laughs> They're on the Monster Mash this week on the Fort Daddy movie. Um, okay. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So, well, a monster, you know, it's a pretty broad definition yeah. to what a monster is. Sure. You know? Um, and what a mash is. I'm, curi- <laughs> I'm curious to see uh, how, how uh, wide-ranging our picks are. I'm so excited. I-, I was looking I, on the drive to the studio today. I-, I was excited. I was looking forward to be back in the studio with you guys. But now sitting here, waiting to hear what you're going to pick. You're I'm less re- excited? I'm less excited. <laughs> I'm more excited. I'm even more. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. You know, I want to know. I want to know what deep, thoughtful pick Steve is going to have, what straight-down-the-middle pick Darren is going to have, and what insane, quirky, bizarre pick you're going to have. I mean, it's just that's why I love the show. That's why I keep coming back. Anyway, Steve, <laughs> let's talk Monday. Well, for Monday, you know, this, since this is our first show back in a while, I thought, you know, I'm just going to ease us in. Uh, my pick is kind of straight down the middle for a change. Mm. So I'm going to go old school with one of the earliest uh, monster movies, um, probably one of the most famous. And I think the first monster movie I remember ever seeing as a kid, and that's Frankenstein. Okay. The 1931 James Whale uh, movie uh, starring uh, Boris Karloff, of course, as Frankenstein's monster. Um, It was, uh, you know, from the the second film from the Universal Studios uh, monster series. Uh, It uh, came out 
same year as Dracula. When they were just thinking about making it a franchise. (laughs) 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 We're creating a giant shared universe (laughs) of monsters. There there had been a few monster movies prior to this. Dracula obviously had come out earlier in 1931. There was, uh, I probably shouldn't mention them because maybe somebody else will pick them, but the original Nosferatu, the silent Nosferatu, there was a... uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, I believe, in the 20s. Um, but Dracula was such a big hit for Universal that they immediately you know, started making more monster movies, and Frankenstein was next up. And originally it's Frankenstein. It was Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> it was going to star Bela Lugosi. Right. And, uh, and with a different director. Um, but it was a different take on the character. He was right. just kind of a, just a killer. There was no pathos pathos um there wasn't much to the character so bella turned it down and uh boris karloff was cast and uh the rest is history i mean it's hard to think of a more iconic monster movie from that era i I was just gonna say that jack pierce frankenstein makeup that's the only thing that that not in the public domain from that movie right is so iconic it's so much a part of our childhood growing up probably things like even preceding the 430 movie i mean this is like the weekends you know it was probably it was already off the creature features and stuff what a remarkable movie and you know back when you know you were a kid that was a scary movie girls getting with the with the with the you know the flower you oh, know the yeah. handing the i mean gee she gets dry. Was, i mean it's so powerful and then the windmill and, and just the fear of the other it's so applicable today isn't it well and and how they they created this you know a character that's a that's a monster that's a killer but you cared about yeah. him for i think maybe the first time you mm. cared about the monster more like the humans were the monsters yeah dr right. frankenstein was <laughs> yeah. the monster right and uh and it created the internet Yes, he did. <laughs> I thought that was Al Gore. Well, no, but Same but day. they were carrying torches. It's different. Oh. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Oh, okay. It was early Twitter with actual fire. Mm-hmm. This movie was very controversial when it came out. It dealt with themes that made a lot of people uncomfortable, and it was banned in some countries. Mm. And and in the the production code era, it was recut to take out some of the stuff that was considered blasphemous. Right. Right. Um, the and, frontal nudity. Yes. <laughs> well, where, where, where Dr. Frankenstein, you know, I've become God. Yeah. 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 That was very controversial. People were very touchy about that stuff in the thirties. Wonder yeah. why. La- yeah. Later on, Alec Baldwin could say it, no problem, yeah. but back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alec Baldwin's Frankenstein. I'd like to see that. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting to note that I mean, uh, you know, Frankenstein now is is decades and decades and decades old, and it's been remade or very. You know, Kenneth Branagh did it. Um, yep. Uh, you know, it's been done for the true story with the Michael Sarazen. Hammer did it many times. It's never been done better, at least in my opinion, right. than that first time by James Whale. I mean, I think we'd all agree. I mean, I know a lot of people are fans of the horror movies, like Frankenstein must be destroyed and stuff. I'm not a huge Hammer horror fan, to be honest. Um, I just think that original Universal monster movie is just so good. Well, I am a huge Hammer horror film fan, but I actually agree. I I think that the best expression of Frankenstein on screen has been, by far, hands down, the 1931 film, period. Um, And I think that Steve really hit on it. It's because we empathize with the monster in a way that I'm not sure that we do in any of the other incarnations. Um, Even, you know, look, uh, Ken made a a really sort of game effort at doing a a more... a more specific tr- uh, adaptation right. of the original novel, and it was really interesting. But I don't know how sympathetic I found Robert De Niro as the monster, mm-hmm. and I think that was a huge failing in the movie. Yeah, um, and it didn't quite sync up with um, sort of the operatic elements that right. he brought to it. Whereas I think James Whale kind of kept it really grounded for a movie about somebody who brings <laughs> the dead back to life <laughs> by sewing somebody else's brain into their skull. And you guys are looking at me like you're insane. No, I think it's actually it's no, a great yeah. point. I'm, I was... I'm, I'm, I'm frightened at how much I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to gut check and go, we all have where is he wrong? expressions on our face. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Ashley's making sense? What's going on? Maybe I don't make sense. What have you done with Ashley? <laughs> it's been a couple of months. Um, Therapy. Billy Cheers. Um, so... Uh, uh, yeah, just a, what a what a what a great pick and and what a fantastic movie. It's, it's funny that 
you know, the icon of Disney is a mouse, and and after all, it's Universal as this, you know, Frankenstein is is more associated with Universal than anything else, and it's uh, well, it was you know, it, it was never not popular between I think the 30s and it, certainly in the 70s when we were growing up, there was the model kits, there was yeah, costumes, the Aurora model kits, yeah, it was on television every year. That's how I yeah. first saw it, watching on black and white TV. I didn't know it was a black and white movie. All we had was a black and white TV. Right. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what other monster? Like, I bet you this Halloween. You'll be able to go out and see kids out trick or treating, and I bet you'll see a few Frankenstein's monsters who sure. are inspired by the 1931 film. I mean, how many other film characters can say that, mm. right? That nearly a yeah. hundred years yeah. later, kids are dressing up to yep. pretend to be that. Screw yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Yeah, well, people will be dressing up as Stephen Miller for Halloween a hundred years from now. Hopefully not. <laughs> oh. um, speaking of monsters. So, um, but yeah, so I think that's a. a a great pick for Monday. That's a great way to start off our Monster Mash. Um, Darren Docterman, Tuesday. Yes. Well, I'm I'm going to go in a little different direction for a change. Um, although I am staying with uh, the same studio, Universal. I'm going to go with the movie that really solidified the fact that they did have a, a monster universe. Mm-hmm. And this is also a movie that was run constantly when I was a kid. Oh, I know what I know what you're picking. Oh and, my gosh! And Frankenstein is in it. Oh, and so yeah, are all the other monsters. <laughs> this is Abbott and Costello uh-huh. meet Frankenstein. I almost That's picked genius. that too. That's a great pick. Um, it is astounding because the movie has all of the elements from. All of the previously made monster movies from Universal. Um, and Bela Lugosi is in it, playing Dracula. And uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is playing the Wolfman. Uh, they had Glenn Strange playing yeah, the monster. Yeah, no Boris Karloff, um, yeah. But how amazing would it have been if Karloff was in it? Um, That's why it wasn't my pick. That is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... It's just it's just so well done, and it's it's sort of the first mashup mm. of these you know hugely popular movies it's into the one. Avengers of it, absolutely <laughs> the absolutely Monsters Assemble, yeah, Monsters Monsters. Assemble. Yeah. and it's it's so well done, and it's they they don't they don't I mean these movies weren't made for huge budgets, especially the Abbott and Costello movie, um, but they don't really cut corners in it. They they show you what you're there for, and it's really fascinating. It's I'm not going to say it's funny because it's not funny. Uh, Abbott and Costello were funny in other venues. This is just like what am I watching? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like I'm in a different world. This is this is um, uh, the mashup between you know these two comedians and these real monsters. It it upgrades the comedians a little bit and it downgrades the monsters a little bit and it creates something completely new that had never been seen before and it's fascinating and i I just i just found it very fun to watch when i was a kid so and even now i'm sorry go ahead no no no. um so here's what's really what's really confusing me unsettling me a little bit maybe it's upsetting me i i don't know but like on a sort of an existential level so about three or four minutes ago I made a lot of sense. <laughs> and just now, you gave an out-of-the-box pick for Tuesday. Season two, baby. Uh, I, I, <laughs> something's happened. <laughs> There's been like a Freaky Friday with me and Darren. We might be in a mirror universe now. Maybe we are. You, <laughs> you've got a, you've almost got a goatee. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I love that pick, man. I think that's great. I loved that movie when I was a kid. That was probably my favorite monster movie when I was a kid. Yeah. See, I have a very different perspective than you guys. I never saw the movie as a kid. I did not want peanut butter in my chocolate. I don't like peanut butter. So, like, I did not want to see Abbott and Costello in a Frankenstein, you know, in a Universal Monsters movie. It just, I I thought it was wrong. So, I guess last year, the new Beverly was showing it. That's interesting. And um, I took the kids to see it. We went for the the Kitty Matinee at the Mm -hmm. new Beverly, which is great. I love the new Beverly. And they show great movies. No, an excuse, but also we were looking like to do Halloween movies, and sure. I wasn't going to take them to see the thing, you know. Well, so, that's good. Um, uh, so, so we, um, we, we, uh, so we went, and I loved. They loved it too, but I loved yeah. it. 
it's loved great. it. It's great, and it's it's exactly what you said. It's still scary that stuff with uh, at the beginning where you know this package is being shipped over right. from Egypt, and it's scary and yeah. suspenseful, and you know it's the classic Abbott and Costello routines, but in yeah. the context of this horror film. And yeah, I don't like Glenn, Glenn Strange that much, but um, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. But Bela Lugosi is great, and it's just so funny, and still doesn't give up on the spill, the thrills, and the chills of right. a of a Universal monster movie. And I thought it was great. But I and this used to be on all the time as a kid. Yeah. I never watched it, and I only having seen it recently. You talk about do these movies hold up? Well, yeah, hell yeah, they yeah. do because I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, and crazy. I, yeah, Steve, we haven't heard from you on this one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of in Mark's camp on this. I I didn't really as a kid like the the mixing of right. the comedians and the monsters. Right. I it was kind of inescapable because it was on all the right. time so I'd seen bits and I'd seen parts of it right. and I'm not 100% sure if I've ever seen the whole thing that's interesting so um, I'm I, I definitely will seek it out now but um, I'm trying to remember what their character names I think it was Chick and Wilbert <laughs> something like that <laughs> <laughs> but they're so funny and it's just uh... those are like cat names <laughs> and, and you know, and no, also <laughs> for, for those of you who have you know kids out there, you know, it's like it's a great movie to show kids, yeah. you know, because and it's a great movie to sort of introduce your kids to the world of the monsters too. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's scary enough to make it fun, mm-hmm. but it's not too scary that they'll be afraid all the time. Yeah, and of course, you know, Abbott and Costello, of course, yeah. just by themselves are you know iconic classic comedians and you know you should be familiar with them yes <laughs> but their antics are, are so funny in that because it's their you know their, their, their persona their classic personas right and they, they they slide so well into a universal monster movie you know strangely they fit strangely well into that they, they have they, the perfect straight men yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly they play it straight <laughs> but right. uh it's it's so funny and the way that they integrate all these different uh, character and there is something you know. I mean, we made the joke about the Avengers, but there is something really cool about all the monsters, right. about having Dracula and Frankenstein and the, and the Invisible and the, Man, the Mummy, and the, the Mummy, man. and that ta- and also almost has like that Avengers or MCU tag where the Invisible Man shows right. up on the uh, boat at the end. No, right. that's not really a spoiler, but it's kind of <laughs> like this coda. It it is. It yeah. definitely is. Yeah, I I wonder how how much of it at all Feige has been influenced by those movies. That kind of brings up a question: in a world with monsters who are basically undead, yeah, if they had to fight Thanos, right? When Thanos snaps his fingers, <laughs> if they're Half already of them dead, become alive, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> That's who you got to recruit. Ashley just blew my mind. <laughs> well, I'm back, baby. <laughs> Well, speaking of Ashley, that brings us to Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday. Odin's Day. So, Odin's Day. So, <laughs> Ashley, one eye is back. We have Frankenstein on Monday. Frankenstein, um, <laughs> Abner Costello meet Frankenstein on Tuesday. What's it going to be? Wednesday. So, I'm my mind is a little blown. Honestly, I, I'm still kind of getting over what just happened with Darren. And um, uh-huh. get over it. it. I I had a pick. That uh, I'm not going to say what it was. I'm going to I'm going to save it for for Friday. Um, but it was out of the box and a little different. I was I was waiting for kind of down the middle, and that's not what we got. And so I feel like down the middle kind it's, of falls is where to you me, needs to be, right? <laughs> so that'll be my out of the box. Will be being down the middle. Uh, so I am uh, I'm going to talk about what I think is um, one of the best uh, horror movies I think ever made. Um, it is unbelievably focused, uh, unbelievably tight. Um, it uses atmosphere in ways that very few movies of any genre have, have managed to use atmosphere um, to create a, a feeling of suspense and dread. Uh, there are actually no women in the cast. It's basically a, a sausage party. <laughs> and uh, it has my very favorite line of dialogue of all time next to a particular Clarence Boddicker line from Robocop. Um, I know what it is. Oh, I, know. I realize you boys are having a rough time, but I would like it if I do not have to spend the rest of the winter tied to this 
couch. <laughs> I am talking, of course, about 1982's The Thing, which will make you look at your German Shepherd differently. Yeah. Um, it thing. is a John Carpenter film. It's um, and as that implies, uh, especially of of that era, it is uh, uniquely well crafted around a siege mentality. It's basically a siege film. It's also um, a psychological thriller about paranoia. It also has Wilford Brimley. Um, you know, <laughs> the sign of quality. That's always, right. it's the right thing to do. It's a tasty way to do it. Yeah. Um, and of course, it has the great Kurt Russell. Mm. Cocoon. Um, Yes. Oh no. Sorry. No. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell in my uh, my second favorite Kurt Russell role after Jack Burton in right. uh, Big Trouble in Little China, even more so than than Snake Plissken. Um, so you know where to start with this movie. It the thing that is most impressive about it are the practical special effects by Rob Bottin. Um, he really takes uh, the state of the art and he moves it to the next level with the thing. There isn't a frame of that that you don't believe, that you don't find unsettling. He takes the idea of body horror um, and he raises it um, to a, a degree that I think even David Cronenberg mm. would have, sort of have to sit back and go, I got nothing. And to even today, it still holds up. Um, I find it frightening enough that when I had the opportunity to watch it as a double feature with E.T., yes, E.T., <laughs> at the Egyptian with my 10-year-old, I decided it would be bad parenting to stay and watch the thing with my 10-year-old, even though he, he probably could have handled it. Um, what else to say about it? Good he, choice. Thank good, you. Good choice. <laughs> Discretion is a better part of valor. Yeah, right. It's like it's it's. Uh, I was like really proud of myself. That's going to go on my uh, my my dad of the year application. <laughs> um, didn't take my kid to see the thing. Um, <laughs> one of the highlights of of my career was uh, meeting Keith David at the mm-hmm. Agent Cody Banks premiere, <laughs> and I had to ask him just stories about the thing, and he told me the best story where I got used as a prop. Uh, he he. Uh, he told me about a day when all the actors were sitting around on the set and they were all kind of talking about the script and they were all talking about the techno babble in the script and they were all kind of mocking all the techno babble and all the bull crap and all this other shit. And what they didn't realize was that the mic was hot mm-hmm. and that John Carpenter was sitting back there and, and listening to it. And uh, Keith David grabs me and says, all right, you or me. John Carpenter comes out. He puts his finger on my face, mad as a mother. He says, I wrote that. You don't take this. You're gonna say all. Oh. <laughs> and they walked out. And I was like, "That's the best story I ever heard, man." Uh, <laughs> Especially uh, for a writer. <laughs> yeah, totally. And he said, like, after that, they didn't complain about the script at all. <laughs> well, that movie is incredible, and it, it has one of the great horror techniques of isolating the characters in a way that they're trapped it's mm-hmm. like alien in a way they're they're in this incredibly hostile environment there's that there's no escape from and they're trapped with this creature mm-hmm. that could be anyone or anything around them and it has some of the best jump scares mm-hmm. in a movie I, I hesitate to spoil them but they're absolutely they still get me every time. Oh my God, the blood test! Well, I was just going to say, yeah, one of the most great. influential scenes. I can't tell you. I'm so, sure you've been there too. How many times in the writers' room somebody would say, hey, "How do we do the blood test scene in the thing?" You know, and they did it on Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. exa- with the changelings. It, the, and they admit it. They said, "We just did the thing." Shameless ripple. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so effective. Or so the, the CPR scene. Oh that, right, that gave me the willies, and and of course the 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 head spider, which was totally ripped off in it chapter two. If anyone has seen oh, for that sure. movie, they totally ripped that off. It's also in my top five Cinefantastic cover stories of all time. Uh, uh, and they did a beautiful uh, article on Rob Bottin and the creature design for that movie, and it's just phenomenal. Um, it's such it's such a great movie. Um, it's just suspenseful. It was Carpenter at the top of his game. And just to put it in a little bit of cultural context for, for people who maybe are younger or don't know, the movie was a huge bomb when it came out, 1982, right. another classic of 1982, because it came out the week after E.T. Right. So America had fallen in love with an alien. If only been and, a double feature. And, yeah. Yeah, well, They'd already had enough plastic so in their lives. By the time, <laughs> with the, thing, the last thing in the world people wanted to see was this movie about you know this deadly, horrifying, vicious? You can't reason with it. You can't do anything. It just wants to kill you, um, and um, it it was a disaster. And it really uh, um, put 
you know, hurt John Carpenter's career for right. a long time. And he came back and was, he did a lot of great movies, but very low budget. You know, right. They Live, Prince of Darkness, a lot. You know, but yeah, he uh, never did something that big again until uh, Escape from L.A. Well, and Memoirs of Invisible Man. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But um, uh, ending, but that was because of Chevy Chase, not right, because of Carpenter. Right. Yeah. The ending is so bleak, and without spoiling it, two characters find themselves. Uh, together <laughs> right. um, and it has like a, again one of my favorite lines of all time I suppose you know that if one of us has something to show the other one we'll find out soon enough <laughs> <laughs> here's I'm gonna I'm gonna take perhaps a uh, a not very popular view oh boy oh. let's fight <laughs> um, I enjoy the film I think it works best when it works on that psychological level where the scenes are dealing with the psychological tension. Mm. And I think, for me, it fails when it brings out the plastic monsters. Interesting. And I think that it could have taken a great lesson from early Spielberg Mm. and early Ridley Scott Mm. by not showing everything all at once and saving some of that for the very specific horror because I think every time they break out the plastic monsters, I just shut down. And I say, oh. You know, I, I don't think your point is wrong. I, I, I mean, I, I love the movie. I think it's great. But I think you're right. I think that, you know, the, the state of the art at, at the time in prosthetics and, mm-hmm. and, and was, at, you know, it was sort of its apex for that era. And, and so it was like, let it, we, just because we can do a thing, right, you know, Let's and they show it, show it all. And if they had held back on it, and then you know, towards the end, we really yeah. see. Uh, I, I, I think it would have been a better movie. I think it would have been a more commercially successful movie. I do too. That's just what I was thinking when I ever hear the thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point as well. Um, look, I have always found those effects very successful. I mean, maybe part of it is because I saw it at exactly the, the right correct age. age. <laughs> I think that has has a lot to do. Um, with it, yeah. But I also what I admire about it is that Carpenter. Is he's making a statement with that movie? He's like, there are so many things that he's doing in that film that that nobody does. I mean, as Steve pointed out, you know that that intense sense of isolation that he brings to a movie of that scope and size. Sure. Um, you know the the way that he makes it an actor's movie, uh, which is so different. I agree, for the genre. and that's where it's the most successful. But right. You, you know why I think maybe he went in that direction because in a way. Um, what he's trying to do is say this is not the 1951 thing from another world, mm-hmm. uh, which is James Arnett playing a giant carrot. Right. You know, and, and I love it. By the way, I almost it was almost my pick for Thursday. Mm-hmm. I love 1951 thing. For, I think this is another uh, much like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where the original is great and the remake is great. Right. You know, it's not like oh they screwed up the remake or the original. It's like they're both great. Right. And. Um, and and the thing had women in it too, the original thing. So, right. um, but I think that you know th- it is in a way he said, "I'm going back to the short story to who goes right. there." And Joseph Campbell, I think. No, not Joseph uh, John, Campbell. John, 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 John W. Campbell. Campbell. John W. Campbell. Yeah, not Joseph oh, Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> the man of a thousand faces, <laughs> right, literally. Right. literally. <laughs> the monster with a thousand faces, including yeah. your face. <laughs> but um, I <laughs> think that uh, I think that. In a way, you know, he said, I'm going back to the short story. I'm not remaking the original movie. And he was doing everything he could to differentiate um, the remake from the original. So it's like, oh, they didn't do this in the original. Um, But I kind of agree with you. It doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the movie. But I think as a piece of art, restraint would have been better. In my mind, the better movie is there. See, I'd love to see the Darren Dockerman cut. Well, maybe someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> Another thing I want to when you're give a shout out to is the score. Yes. The score of that movie is just so minimal and terrific and it's it's simple, but it's just so effective. Yeah. And of course Ennio Morricone gets the credit for it, but there's a lot of John Carpenter in it. In fact, it really much to Ennio Morricone's chagrin, you know, John right. Carpenter went in and rescored a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you went from the genius Ennio Morricone to John going do do <laughs> you know. Although, I mean, look, I love Ennio Morricone, uh, but uh, I think Carver's is, score is very effective. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, and like, I agree. And just I generally, agree. like he's just he seems to understand like what his what movies, movies need. sound like, yes. what they need. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think it needed that sparseness. I think if it was more lush and florid, it would have worked against yeah the the, the tone of the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Another great pick. It's up to me to ruin the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your five picks for Thursday. <laughs> oh. oh, well, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't pick, pick Orca then. <laughs> Dude, if you pick Orca, I'm totally with you. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to pick Orca. Damn it. I, I, you oh, know, Derek? I, I mean, come on. She gets her legs bitten off by a mechanical killer, killer whale. <laughs> but what happens in the movie? Well, yeah. <laughs> what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, please, please please continue. continue. (laughs) Um, It's happening. You know, I have to say, uh, uh, my runner-up. I'm not going to give you a litany. I I know what I'm going to pick. My runner-up though was um, uh, was a movie. I actually like the play a lot better, so I didn't go with the movie, which was um, Little Shop of Horrors. I almost think that too. Uh, I think there's a lot to love about that movie. I actually think the play is better, and I guess it's coming back to Broadway or off Broadway right now. And it's I, coming back. I, I love the <laughs> play. Has. I love the and I don't like yeah. musicals, as we know. For anybody who's listening to the show, I don't like musicals, but I do like Little Shop of Horrors a lot and Hamilton. But um, same thing. Uh, same same <laughs> thing. Very similar. And uh, and I I love the off Broadway show Little Shop of Horrors and the movie. I think because I had just seen the the show, it's sort of like Amadeus. I didn't mm. like the movie as much, mm. but. Um, uh, but it's great, and of course, the, a couple years ago they restored that famous uh, right. stop motion the, ending, yeah, that right. Jerry Conway stop motion ending, and um, Lyle Conway. Lyle Conway. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know who Jerry Conway Jessica is. Jessica, Jessica Conway is a, Jessica 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 a comic book writer. <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Uh, <laughs> don't listen to me. So uh, Jessica von Puttermaker. <laughs> That's great. Frank Oz directed it. Yeah. Wonderfully just, directed. Rick Moranis uh, Rick... is terrific. Um, it's a wonderful uh, having Jack Nicholson do the Bill Bill Murray do the cameo uh, is is a lot of fun. Steve and Martin, Martin is the dentist. Steve Martin is the dentist. An homage to the original Roger Corman right. movie, which of course famously was shot over a weekend. And, right. and looks like it was. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's a cute movie. The plant is a great monster. Yeah. It's something you can definitely the show the kids. great puppet effects of all time. Yep. So great. But um, my pick. But that's not your pick. That's, that's not, not my pick. pick. I will, tell you, I will tell, you, tell you what my pick is. And it probably shouldn't be. Pick because picker. They're, they're, like Frankenstein, there's a, more, a much more iconic movie that probably should be my pick. But we'll talk about that for Friday. I will tell you, since this is supposed to be my pick, I will pick what I my yes. monster match pick is. Um, it's a movie that I wore out on videotape when it came out uh, on VHS. I watched it a ton in high school. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Um, it taught me to stay off the moors. Um, um, and, um, and and to, to watch who I play darts with, uh, it is of course American Werewolf in London, probably well maybe alongside Animal House, John Landis's best movie. Um, it's uh, it's um, it's just it's a great movie that could be, before I said oh I didn't watch Abbott and Costello because it combined horror and comedy. <laughs> and, and so by the time I was a little older, apparently I did like horror and comedy because I American Werewolf does it you know just perfectly yeah. uh it's scary uh it has great uh, uh makeup effects um uh from the, the werewolf transformations that was the year you had the howling and american werewolf in london i'm much more a fan of american werewolf in london than i am of the howling was that baker or poutine it, it was uh well baker. rick baker did yeah. uh uh American Werewolf. American Werewolf. And then yeah, Rob yeah. Boutine did uh, The Howling. Well, because yeah. Rob Boutine was working for Rick Baker, and he split off, and he worked on The Howling using all of Rick Baker's techniques. Ah. That he clearly mother. did not use them, however, on Star Trek Three when he did Cruger's Dog. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so <laughs> American Werewolf in London, the, the luminous, the luminous Jenny Agutter. Oh. Uh, it does, it, you know, has a great scene where he thinks he's in a nightmare, uh, he, th- he thinks he wakes up, but he's still in the dream, uh, which I-, I just think is amazingly effective. Uh, David Naughton is, is is wonderful, but Griffin Dunn steals the movie <laughs> as this slowly decaying uh, quipster um, who is 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 dying, uh, but can't go to the afterlife because um, um, and, and and it's just it's just a wonderful movie. Uh, it's bizarre. They don't make movies like this anymore. It's it's perverse. Uh, it has all of John Landis's usual obsessions, um, and uh, I just I just, so many quotable scenes. And then that's the, the use, enough. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> the, the casting of the guys in the Scottish bar. I mean, uh, it's just brilliant. And of course, you have all these wonderful um, use of fifties uh, Bad Moon, uh, Bad Moon mm-hmm. Rising, uh, um, uh, just a, a litany of. Um, sort of 
songs that he uses you know so the source source music really well the whole diegetic versus non-diegetic mm-hmm. but uh it, it's a, it's a terrific terrific movie and you know there's so many monster movies i like but you know i, I just i would i again i just watched this so many times on hbo growing up and so many times i don't think i ever saw it in a theater no i think i may have once saw it in a theater but i didn't see it when it came out in a theater it was definitely one of these movies that you know i discovered on vhs and then watched it over and over again and then ultimately on hbo a million times and then i at some point in a revival theater I saw it and loved it even more. You know, I love that pick and I love that film. It was on my list as well. And um, it, as many things as there are to love about it, here's my favorite thing. It is the restraint that John Landis showed in the third act of that film mm-hmm. and the very ending. Because when that movie is over, it's just over. Yeah, it's yeah, done yeah, yeah. and it yeah. goes to credits. Mm-hmm. There's no bullcrap. There's no epilogue. There's no denouement. There's no going back to the Shire. There's no hugging. <laughs> there's none of that. It's just, it's, it's over. over. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, <gasps> but it's great. And it, and it somehow manages to be, you know, sad and tragic but hilarious at the same yes. time and, and just it has a very dark. similar ending uh, that uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail does yeah. <laughs> except there's not like you know 30 minutes of just black with right. just the music cycling right. yeah it's a very dark <laughs> sense of humor and I have to tell you um, when I interviewed John Landis for the James Bond book, because he actually worked on a couple of James Bond movies, never getting credit, Spy Who's Hard Spy Love Me, he later almost ended up doing License to Kill. I, you know, I talked to him about Bond, but I was so excited to actually talk to him about America Work in London for no reason, because right. it had no bearing on what I was writing. But he had, as always, he's such a great raconteur. He has so many great stories, and, and he has great stories about, uh, obviously, about American Werewolf in London, along with so many of these other movies that he's done. Uh, but, you know, Landis is interesting because Landis is not inherently a very gifted visual filmmaker, but yet he knows instinctively how to make, tell a story and how to be funny brilliantly. Because mm-hmm. you look at something like Animal House, you, you know, you look at... Um, you look at John Landis's best movies, and they are all just like really, really great movies. But visually, nothing special. But yet, he 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 he's a great director of actors. Mm-hmm. He just he's a great editor. Um, you know, even on the f- movies that don't work, like Into the Night, um, just such a fascinating, fascinating guy who's had such an interesting career. Um, or Innocent Blood, simply as a way of making a direct comparison. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, super you know su- super talented guy, and um, I just I like I said I just think it's a great monster movie uh, you know and I you know when we say monster you know monster mash it is a mashup because it is horror and it is comedy right. and uh, you know that often doesn't work like in you know. Innocent Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, we, you know, where we, you know, Don Rickles is a vampire. Does you know that stuff doesn't work? But in American Werewolf, you know, and it certainly doesn't work in American Werewolf in Paris, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was a sequel that was done many years later that right. he was not and involved. Gene with. Kelly's yeah. dancing in it is awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Werewolf or not? <laughs> so that brings us, of course, to Friday. Now, Friday is uh, the day where we um, seek a consensus. Um, so we'll see. Uh, there's so many of these throw movies. Out some suggestions. We'll throw out some suggestions. No doubt, uh, Steve has come prepared with some wonderful <laughs> suggestions to share with us. Well, I'm just trying to think how you know. I mean, there's certainly the other universal horror uh, films that are iconic, uh, like Dracula. But the Spanish version, the Spanish, right. which is really cool. By yeah. the way, if you've never seen the uh, the Spanish version, uh, if you don't know the story. Uh, at, at while the 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 English language version was being filmed by day, the Spanish language version was being filmed at night on the same sets wow. with a different cast. Which I want to see a behind the scenes movie about, about that. Yeah. Right. About that, John Landis should make it. It's great. Right. That would that would be really <laughs> funny. Well, it's I give like, him the idea. It's like the old uh, <laughs> sheepdogs punching in, you right. know, in the Looney Tunes cartoons. Like, there's the night shift. You're gonna shoot another Dracula. I'm surprised movie. more people haven't done that. You know, it's like, oh, we can keep the studio going 24-7, and we have the whole, you know, Latin American audience. You know why? It's because the daytime one is shooting all during the night, too. Yeah, that's true. They're going so deep in the overtime. Exactly. That's right. But if you haven't seen the Spanish-language one, it's like 30 minutes longer. It's significantly longer, and it just it plays so much better. better. Yeah, it's shot better. It's... uh, 
the story the storytelling is just better mm-hmm. in it. The characters gets a lot more into the characters and everything. So it's the it's, acting isn't better, but yeah. the movie making yeah. is better. Yeah. Um, and then there's some of the lesser known ones, uh, but also well, maybe not lesser known, but uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is terrific. Again, um, I think it's a, a better monster design than it is a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great and that one sheet. Yeah. Oh my god! If we were doing like the four thirty movie one sheet, that would have to be a finalist. I mean, that's a gorgeous poster, right along with this gun for hire. And um, well, anyway, that's all. One of my good friends in in film school, um, I, I'd known him for several years, and and around graduation time, he had a party at his house, and we went over to his house, and I'm seeing all these posters on the wall for Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm like, wow, somebody's a big fan. He's like, no, that's my mom. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, the creature from the Black Lagoon was yes. his mom? <laughs> that's so funny. His name was Tad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't say anything about you know, We're overlooking, I think, two of the most significant monster movies of all time. We spent a lot of time at Universal, but um, you know, I think that RKO made what is arguably the greatest monster sure. movie of all time that we haven't really talked about, which, of course, is uh, Marion C. Cooper's King Kong, right. uh, mm-hmm. which is brilliant and a staple of, I'm sure, all of our television growing up. Uh, King Kong was on, for us, it was on Channel 9, right. uh, usually on Thanksgiving, I That's believe. That's correct. Uh, and um, you know, then they would show Son of Kong, which is not nearly as uh, effective, and Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young. King uh, Kong versus although, Godzilla. Yeah. Right? Although, I, I, my only <laughs> quibble with that is I feel as though that the King Kong movies weren't horror movies per se. No. You know, they they adventure they were movies. adventure films. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that, I mean, I, but uh, yes, I totally agree that like you know that the original King Kong is an amazing film. It's a masterpiece, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. I want to throw one out that I bet is on none of your lists. Mm. I double dog dare you. Let's see. It fulfills all the requirements of a monster movie. Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's not on my list. <laughs> not on my list. Interesting choice. Really interesting but who choice. Are you and what have you done with Darren? But is it is completely a monster movie. Mm. It starts out, you know, it starts out setting up something that you think is going one way, and then it completely goes a different way. And by the end, you're killing a monster. Yeah. That's and a morality it's, play it's like a totally, lot of horror films. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, you know, I was thinking about this as I was looking at our call sheet yesterday, um, and I was thinking, well, oh my God, that kind of fits. You know <laughs> yeah. what else is great about Fatal Attraction is that it also could could go under um, movies not to watch with your mom week. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I no, of course not. Oh, I ran. No. You know who uh, wrote that famous ending? Also, uh, Nick Meyer. Nick really? Meyer did the oh, polish on Fatal that's Attraction. Right, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So what does Star Trek II and Fatal Attraction but, have in common? But Shakespeare isn't anywhere in it. What? Nobody quotes Shakespeare. <laughs> that's really that's really funny. I, what an interesting choice. Uh, you know, the other giant monster uh, that's beloved that we didn't talk about, of course, is Gojira. Yeah. You know, it's Godzilla. Mm-hmm. We're um, in America now. <laughs> wow! I mean, we probably could do a whole Godzilla week, though. So maybe well, the four thirty movie often did Godzilla yeah, week. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, Larry Cohn died this year, so we right. should talk about Q, Q. the mm-hmm. Wing Serpent, um, and it's alive. Yeah, it's alive. Boy, that that, that one sheet case. scared me. Absolutely, me too. Something is wrong with the Davis baby. You know that that trailer scared the crap yeah. out of me, man. Like I would, I was just a tiny little dude, and just that that bassinet. It, it's oh, funny. And it's the, spinning. The, trailer, go, the trailer and the poster are scarier than the movie. Yes, I they was are. Just, yeah, yes. Absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had such me a, forever to decide yeah. to watch that film. Me too. Yeah, it had such a mystique about it. Yeah. It was so it was so intimidating. It was so, it's the thought of watching it was Absolutely. Scary. I knew it from Starlog. They always had the It's Alive 2 Bernard Herman, because I think it was Starlog right. Records' first right. yeah. album. And I would always see them. Try the page. But something like Gremlins. Uh... Oh, you know, Gremlins is on my list. I think Gremlins is great. Uh, it just came out in 4K from Warner Brothers, a UHD disc. Uh, uh, Gremlins was one of the, one, after Freaky Friday and Star Wars, one of the first movies I saw more than once. Right. Uh, I saw it on my senior class trip mm-hmm. um, in high school. But uh, Gremlins is super fun. Uh, it could also be a holiday movie. <laughs> um, right, that's true. It's, uh, you know, and I, I would argue Gremlins 2, the new batch, in a lot of ways, is even more yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dante's sequel. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Gremlins at the time was a huge, and it was instrumental in the PG-13, yeah. along with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right. um, uh, causing the PG-13, because it's very violent. Um, it was one of the great movie-going experiences in my life. I don't love the movie. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's not a particularly great movie, but it's fun. Right. And it was in 1984, that summer, it just fit right in there yeah, with yeah. Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones yeah. and Temple of Doom. It was a blast to see in a packed theater in the right. 80s. Totally. And you will never, at Christmas time, look at your fireplace the same way again. <laughs> Is Hoyt Axton up there? No. <laughs> um, you know, a, a great homage to the Universal movies we spent so much time talking about is uh, Fred Decker's Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. Love that movie. Um, you know, the Wolfman has nards. It kind of is Stranger Things meets Universal Monsters. It, uh, it totally is. Yeah. Right. It totally it's, is. Or is Stranger Things uh, Monster Squad meets D&D? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's it's a really you know uh, it's a love letter to uh, those those movies of uh, that we love and um, just really well done by uh, Fred Decker and, and, and Peter Hyams and Shane Black and Peter Hyams who was the producer on that. Uh-huh. Um, well, and how about this one? I think is maybe one of the more successful films that mixes comedy and horror. Young Frankenstein. Well, of course. Walk yes. this way. Yes, I would, I would say that Young Frankenstein is a comedy. Right. Yeah. With her, with uh, horror elements. Yeah. Well, it's it's well, it's, it uses it's, horror. It's a it's a parody. Yes. It's a parody of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as people might know, you can only have a movie appear on the four thirty movie once. So I'm saving it for Terry Gar Week. But, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I have one of those. Uh, nice. So, uh, uh, just a couple of out of the box thoughts. Her number one, Sam Raimi's Dark Man, Liam Neeson. Mm, sure. Um, Is that a monster movie? Or well, is that a superhero movie? Mm, or is that, it a dark or superhero is it both. movie? <laughs> <laughs> or is it a revenge movie? Or is it a psycho killer movie? No yeah. one can know. Yeah. But that's why it's out of the box. Because well, we don't know what box it goes into, yeah. man. Well, any movie with Larry Drake in it is a monster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he's cutting off fingers with like yeah. a cigar. Oh, my God. God. I mean, come on. Is the, is the Fly is a monster movie? Absolutely. Or is the Fly it, is absolutely yeah. a monster yeah. Both and of I, them. Both, and again, that's <laughs> another example of a great 50s, a great 50s movie. And a great... I just watched it the other day. And I'd forgotten, no, the the Goldblum one. And I'd forgotten how great it is. It is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And his performance in it is unfreaking. And Davis is great. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all great. American Werewolf in London, it actually demonstrates incredible restraint. Yes. And when that movie is done, it's done. It's just, it's awesome. And And it had a totally unnecessary sequel. It is lean and mean. It's about 90 minutes long. There are, what, four speaking parts in it? Yep. It's a essentially play. one Gina location. Yeah. It's a stage play, it, but yeah. it is a freaking masterpiece. And you know, people love, uh, you know, early Cronenberg. You know, people love, you know, all those, the, you know, they came from within and and, and scanners and um, Rat Rabbit and all that. Video I room. actually, I really love the Fly and the Dead Zone. Like, I love his more mainstream period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where he, he a little more restrained. Um, and I, you know, you can't beat the Fly mid. Uh, mid eighties, twentieth century Fox. Um, <laughs> it's it's so effective. And... Well, and like all good horror, it's about something other than the monster. Right, you know, right, it's right. That body horror, yeah. that that the analogy to AIDS and right. you know you, your body turning on you. And, yeah, and, and Jeff Goldblum not wearing pants. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait, he, he no. wears pants. Oh yeah, just just not always. Uh, just he's shirtless always. a lot. He's, he is. Yes. Yeah, and he's like in that really weird shape. shot in Jurassic Park. I don't know why all of a sudden I've got this mental Rolodex of Jeff Goldblum not wearing a shirt. It's very strange. <laughs> I know why. It is what it is. We all know why. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, hey, you know, we are. We have missed what I think is the greatest monster movie of all time. Monsters okay. Inc. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Jaws. Yeah. Well, because Jaws it was in Spielberg Week, wasn't true. it? True. True. We, we, it's we, a but, great monster movie, and it's. But it's also an adventure movie. Yeah. Yes. True. But there is Great White. Yes. The movie Great White. <laughs> yeah. And Orca. Orca. <laughs> we can go back to Orca. I didn't and, pick it. And Deep Blue Sea. Yes. <laughs> no. Deep Blue. There's no. a great argument for Deep Blue Sea. Just for for Samuel L. Jackson alone. Yes. Yes. Okay. Also, we could go something like The Host. The Host. That's right. The Korean. The yeah. South Korean. I was going to say North Korean. The South Korean <laughs> uh, 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 horror movie, which is a great film. Also, um, a movie that a lot of people like more than me, um, Tremors. Uh, oh, Kevin Bacon yeah. and Michael Gross. Very people love Tremors. I think it's I like fun. It. I think it's, it's a fun. B movie. It's, it's a fun, fun B movie. Yeah, 
I don't laugh. Um, but um, there's my uh, my original pick before I decided that I I needed to inject um, some mainstream <laughs> uh, into our conversation was uh, Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. Oh. Well, which by the way. <laughs> The movie starts with, I don't know if many people don't know this, but uh, the first person who is killed and reanimated in the film is a Dr. Hans Gruber. Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that is crazy. That's funny. But uh, yeah, Jeff Combs is amazing in that movie. Uh, Barbara is Crampton. That, is that a monster movie? Uh, see, it's a horror movie. What? It's not a yeah, monster I see, movie. Kinda, I feel the way you do it. Believe me, I love reanimating. Yeah, We've so talked about this on Glorious Trexperts. In fact, we ended up putting, uh, as, you know, he was on Glorious Trexperts and Three weeks later, I ended up having him on Pandora, nice. and he was freaking great. How many stories um, about Reanimator did you get out of him? A lot. Great. So, um, uh, but you know, Jeff is just fantastic. In fact, the episode was on last week, and and he was fantastic. Um, but uh, he is a delight. He is one of my. He favorite is a delight, actors. and I love Reanimator. I've always loved Reanimator. I mentioned in the Star Trek episode, I had a poster yeah. in my high school office, uh, my newspaper office, of him that that huge French poster, uh, you know, holding the syringe. And uh-huh. I, I love Reanimator. I don't want to be in the position of well, you know uh, not saying Reanimator, but, but I don't think it's a monster, not a monster movie. It's. I, I, I would say that arguably it is the it is the best Frankenstein movie other than the 1931 Frankenstein wow, film. Good but argument. in that Frankenstein good movie, argument. the Frankenstein's monster instead of taking a flower from a little girl, he deflowers. A he little deflowers. Girl. Uh, <laughs> I would. <laughs> That's very funny. I I would argue that Weird Science is the best Frankenstein movie after Frankenstein. You know, that's an, that's it. That sounds like a week to me. I haven't <laughs> I haven't watched Weird Science in a long time, and obviously, you know, some of these movies become less palatable to certain people over time. Sure. I I, I how does Weird Science hold up? It doesn't really. Oh, yeah, I love okay. that but you know, it's not its fault. I called her on the telephone. <laughs> anyway, it was, it, it, <laughs> weird Science comedy, wasn't you know, you know A list John Hughes even back then. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my argument would be for the fly. I would really push for the fly. I, I think I would go uh, there. Fly. I agree. One of my favorites. I, 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 yeah. It's hard to argue with the fly. Okay. Okay. The fly. Well, has... why don't we teleport it into Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Consider it done. So uh, this was our, our our as we count down the Halloween later this month, um, and our first episode back. I, I would say it was a success. I, I would think so. Too. Um, and we remembered and how to do this. We, 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 we didn't forget. Just like, it's just like falling off a bike. Yeah, <laughs> and it hurts as much. Um, so Monday. Monday is 1931's Frankenstein. Tuesday. Tuesday is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> Wednesday. John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. Thursday, it's American Werewolf in London. What year was that? Was that 81? 80? 79. 79. No, no. it was 80. Are it we was bidding? 80. <laughs> <laughs> do I hear? Okay. We very rarely do this, but we are going to go to IMDb because I don't want to be wrong on this. I think it was 81, but I could be wrong. So let's see here. It may have been 80, 1981. actually. Oh, 81! Woo! Woo-hoo! I still got it, baby! <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, and, and then Friday. Friday, of course, is John... McFry! David Cronenberg's <laughs> The Fly. Well, uh, wow, that was great. And, you know, we're going to be back next week with another all-new episode of um, The 430 Movie, and I'm going to give you a little preview. It's going to be, since we're do- celebrating Halloween all, all week... The devil made me do it. The devil made yeah. me do it. So um, that so will be. Think about that while you listen to other podcasts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back next Friday and every Friday for the foreseeable future for season two of the 430 movie. Um, and we really appreciate you coming back and joining us. We, we have a lot of fun doing the show, and it's great to have such a loyal viewing audience. Um, and also, if you are. Um, a fan of Star Trek, check out the second season of Inglorious Trexperts, which had a much shorter hiatus. It had one week hiatus (laughs) as opposed to a six-month hiatus. Uh, You can check that out every Saturday, every Saturday, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. On Tuesday, check out The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. That's every Tuesday. And um, on Monday, every other Monday, is Best Movies Never Made which is uh, next to our podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. I just uh, I just love that podcast. Uh, Josh uh, Miller and the great um, 
Stephen uh, Scarlatta with some really who produced guests. Jadorowski's Dune. Oh yeah, Ashley was a guest. Um, but they've covered really interesting movies. Mick Garris was on recently to talk about his unmade version of The Mummy. Steve, you were um, a guest too, weren't Steve, you? Steve, yes. Steve we was, talked about Beetlejuice. They talked about Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Yeah. The unmade Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. So uh, you should check those out. And and in fact, uh, we did an episode of their show. Uh, they weren't on it, but we did uh, best, <laughs> uh, the, the Academy years for Inglorious right. Trexperts oh. where we talked with David Lowry about the unmade Starfleet Academy movie. So always a fascinating subject. Maybe one day on Fourth Day Movie we'll do best movies never made. <laughs> um, so, uh, But if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you're thinking about giving us four stars, don't. Give us five. Uh, five <laughs> is the magic number. And uh, all a very special, very special thanks to uh, Bill Ritter um, and especially Natalie Mascali, um, who is our producer, and Dean Devlin, who keeps the lights on and without whom the show would not be possible. So thank you, Bill, Natalie, and Dean for uh, giving us a home here at the Electric Surge Network. And uh, we will be back with an all-new theme week on the 430 movie next week. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. This episode brought to you by Juice of Safu. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Safu that the mind acquires speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. Set your mind in motion with Juice of Safu. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.